As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by today's host, Jill. Jill, you're back. I'm back. How was Boston? It was amazing. Got to go hang out in Salem with the witches for a while and met some of our library partners out there, so it was fun times. Was Salem every bit as, like, kind of... Magical? Yeah, that was the (laughs) word I was trying to find out. Yes, yes, it was. We went on a walking tour. (sighs) That's so cool. That. It was all about witches. It was very popular. It was a very busy, like, this is their time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Salem goes all out during October. That makes me so happy that they they embrace, not so much their the negative parts of their history, but, like, they embrace, they know people are going to come here in the fall, and they want to do the whole Salem witches thing. Yeah, so it's sort of, gonna... it's tricky because it is sort of a negative part of their yeah. history, but they do kind of own it and... Mm-hmm. I'll kind of take it on to their own. I don't know how the locals feel about all that. But yeah, I'm sure they get annoyed. But That's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I've seen, there's always running jokes I'll see in pop culture with people talking about going to New England during the fall and how annoyed the, the locals get and things like that. But you know what? Oh, well. It's beautiful this time of year. It so. is beautiful this time of year. I That's, can't adjust to that. Oh, and then when I was in Boston... Um, By the way, you just said Boston like someone from Boston. You did, I don't know if you That was totally a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, the one, our last morning there, we had some free time, and so I went walking in one of the parks, and I found the make way for duckling statues. I actually saw your, the uh, picture? your picture of that. That was oh, uh, no. so good. And didn't you pull, you pulled up the I pulled the up the book. It's a read-along with Jake Gyllenhaal, which cracks me up. That's just good synergy right there. Great job yep. by you. Um, I, I didn't say this before, but going to Salem during the fall is one of my bucket list stuff. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. I didn't hide my jealousy in the last no, couple you did of not. introductions when I was doing these by myself. Anyway, what are you <laughs> to transition? No, we can make it work. It yeah. Works. So Salem, that's a spooky, scary place. <laughs> Joe, what's what's this episode about? <laughs> so last week you talked with Christina and Andrea about YA horror novels, and yes. this week I talked with Rachel and Quentin about adult horror novels. I love that we did both sides of those because they are very, very different types of of novels. Yes. Um. I'm assuming you talked to some Stephen King, Shot in the Dark. <laughs> what? I know. No. What? Crazy. Not at all. No, I actually yeah. made a comment like halfway through where I was just like, I am not going to spend this entire podcast talking about Stephen King, but it's hard not to bring mm-hmm. him up frequently. But we talked about a lot of different authors, mm-hmm. so it's not all Stephen King. Yeah, and that's why we do bring different coworkers on all the time, because, I mean, you and I are both avid readers, but if we do a two podcasts a week so we would eventually be talking about the same books over and over and we do that a little bit anyway right. but i think at this point people just know who we like and who we don't like yeah um oh i do want to apologize to people who listen to the young adult horror one i recorded with christina and andrea like three days apart because andrea wasn't feeling well so i totally blanked on the fact that the two or three of the books we talk about are the same books but if when you hear andrea talk about yeah. if you haven't listened to the podcast yet when you hear andrea talk about the first book she discusses I sound like I've never heard anyone discuss that book ever, even though in the podcast it sounds like 15 minutes earlier, Christina clearly talked about that same book. So that was just a goof on my part, but I'm sure people... No one really gave me a hard time over the last couple days yet on social media, but just wanted everyone to know I realized there was egg on my face, so (laughs) I will wear it with pride. That's okay. Anyway, how can people get a hold of us if they want to talk about books or anything directly with you and I. They can find us on Facebook and Twitter and email us directly at feedback at overdrive.com. Yes, they can. And if you go to overdrive.com, you'll see all the lists that we've created. 
um, especially the professional book nerds reading list, which is updated every single week and all sorts of good stuff. Um, I do want to let people know, you look like you had something you want to say. I did. Um, we talked a little bit near the very end of the podcast about uh, Westworld, mm-hmm. and we have a Westworld read-alike list up on overdrive.com as well. Which so, you created. Which I did. It was so much fun. Um, so if, you know, I, I mentioned one of the books, which, okay, Stephen King, is uh, a <laughs> Dark Tower series, uh-huh. but there's a whole list of other books mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. Amazing. And I also want to point out, we've never mentioned this before on the podcast, but if you go to Overdrive.com and you've created an Overdrive account in the past, uh, if you go to your account, you can sign up to get email alerts from us. So we send a weekly, we call it a trending titles email, and it's just basically new and pre-pub titles that you might be interested in, and then we throw Pepper and some other stuff as well there. So uh, those emails come Saturday morning, so you can kind of open it up when you're having a cup of coffee and see the new books that are available. So we have a bunch of people that do that already, but we never mentioned it on the podcast, so I thought I would throw that in there. Good plan. We have so many ways you can reach us. You yes, so indeed. Many. All right, um, now that we're back, I can ask you, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we let people enjoy the podcast? Cleveland against the world. Cleveland against the world. Perfect way to end. All right, everyone, enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill, and with me I have Quentin and Rachel. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Um, so today we are talking horror, because it's October and Halloween, and who doesn't love horror books? Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's probably people who don't There's probably them. people, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's the best time of year to read them. I fully agree. Does anybody have, like, any sort of favorites... That you read this time of year, or just like horror in general favorites. Um, yeah, I do. I have one book I always try to read around this time of year. Probably my favorite horror book is um, "We Have Always Lived in the Castle" by Shirley Jackson. Oh yeah, and I know a lot of people consider that one of like the kind of first great horror books. And there's just so many aspects to that book that I love. You know the horror kind of scary elements and then the you know unreliable narrator is one of the best I've read recently so that one I always try to revisit and I know I just downloaded the audiobook for that one and I've never listened to the audio for that so I'm kind of excited to listen to that this weekend she's been mentioned a lot recently Shirley Jackson but again it's sort of that time of year mm-hmm. with her books yeah she's got a lot of other stuff that's great do you have any favorites, Quentin? Uh, let's see. I tend to, I tend to revisit some some comics and stuff that are that are kind of more mm-hmm. horror-y. Um, which you know, uh, like right now, Constantine. I, I picked up the John Constantine Hellblazer Origins Volume One recently, and I'm kind of reading that. It's good fun. I mean, it's it's kind of I don't know. Fun is the wrong word, but. You know, it's not super dense horror, but I also I also tend to go back to like H.P. Lovecraft, which was you know the father of modern horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a horrible human being, but uh, <laughs> yeah, his his work was was kind of terrifying, but also really well done. Um, but yeah, those are those are kind of the the staples for me. I know that's not a huge list, but I don't tend to revisit a lot of horror books. I tend to read them and then move on to something else. Okay. Uh, I tend to read a lot of Stephen King mm-hmm. year round, but yeah, Stephen King just in general is one of my favorites. That's a general go-to. That's a general go-to. I would have to say if I had to like pick a favorite Stephen King, I would have to. It's probably Misery. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that's probably mine too. I think that was there. yeah, that's so good, and I love the way he kind of plays with format a little bit mm-hmm. in that one with the typewriter. Which is sort of, in a lot of ways, kind of becomes its own entirely different thing. Uh, but I love Misery. It's mm-hmm. so good. That is good. Yeah, I would say, I always say that Misery and Under the Dome is oh, probably that my was other so favorite good too. Stephen King one. Yes. That one's hard to revisit and read over and over again because it's so long. It's very long. <laughs> it's very long. But that one is always one that I think, like, oh, I should read that one again because I read it 
Yeah. I read that book in like a weekend. Yeah. A while ago, which was a I don't think I did anything else that weekend <laughs> other than read that book. But it was the kind of book that like I I couldn't do anything else once I started reading yeah. it. You can't put it down. You can't. I remember I took a break from reading Stephen King for a while, like right before that book came out, because mm. his books maybe weren't the best at the time. Whatever, yeah. it's fine. Um, and I remember reading that one. I was like, wow, this. This feels like an old school Stephen King book, and I remember reading that that he actually had started it like a long time ago, and mm-hmm. then kind of came back and revisited it, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then I've been reading him a little more consistently since with his more recent stuff. So, big Stephen King fan, I am a fan. Um, so what is it about horror books that kind of attract you guys to the genre? Well, for me, I mean, I'm not. I don't read a lot of traditional horror, I guess you would call it. Um, I read a lot of books people consider horror, but I'm more of a kind of a... There's almost a subgenre of horror books where the it's all about the, the survival and things like that, where it's not everybody getting killed off in horrible, gruesome ways, but there's some mm-hmm. terrible monster that we all have to overcome and, and succeed in the end and things like that, I guess... I, I like to call it happy horror, uh, which is kind of mm-hmm. which is okay. kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, that's that's the kind I'm drawn to. Um, so yeah, uh, I kind of lost track of the original question. No, but, I was just yeah. sort of wondering what attracts you to the yeah, genre. So so that the overcoming of some that that's where I was going. Okay. I remember now. No, I'm it's good. Okay. I'm good. Go with um, it. <laughs> so it, it, it's the it, to me it's the attraction of overcoming that horrible thing. Uh, which you even get some of in, in some classic horror like Lovecraft, where the horrible, crazy guy is the only one that really goes nuts and dies. Sometimes he kills a lot of people too, but you know. Um, but but uh, like I really love the Dresden Files, which isn't really horror, but it's a lot about overcoming those terrible type things that, mm-hmm. that seem overwhelming and that humanity shouldn't be able to take on. Um, I'm currently reading this pretty cool anthology of short stories called Shatters, Shadows Over Baker Street. Which is Baker Street, as in yeah, Sherlock. Yeah, okay. And what it is is it's a mashup of Cthulhu Mythos and Sherlock Holmes. So it's like you take this super logical brain of Sherlock Holmes, right? And you throw him at freaking Cthulhu Mythos stuff, and you've got you've got a really interesting setting. And like the the opening story is called A Study in Emerald, which is written by Neil Gaiman. So you're opening with Neil Gaiman. Writing in in Sherlock in, in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's style brilliantly, and uh, it, it and it's it's crazy, and it's not like he's discovering that that these things are out there; they're just kind of a known thing, like in the huh. the mythos, right? Yeah. So you've got a very logical mind attacking very illogical problems, and and it's it's really. It's really fascinating. So things like that are what draw me to the fringe horror stuff, and that the well, maybe not fringe, but kind of those subgenres. Those sub-genres. Um, that's 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 kind of my bag. I really liked last podcast. I talked about being except well, maybe not the last one, but one of the podcasts I was in, mm-hmm. I talked about being excited about a book called Lovecraft Country, um, and I read that. It was excellent. Uh, it's almost told in a short story format, but it's the same kind of thing that drew me there. It was a it was about, you know, Jim Crow laws and things like that, and, and the protagonists being <laughs> being African-American people put in those situations, but with the added horror of Cthulhu mythos-type things, uh, Lovecraftian horrors, if you will. And, uh, and the, the, the will of those characters and their desire to overcome that and their ability to do that is what really drew me to horror. So I guess I'm a horror optimist. Okay. We'll go, we'll go with that. All right. That was good. <laughs> Rachel, same yeah. question. Um, I love the suspense of horror because I love suspense novels in general, just, mm-hmm. you know, like the psychological fiction type books. And any books where there's a creepy old house that may or may not be haunted, I'll read. Like, you know, even, you know, books like The Shining, speaking yep. of Stephen King. And there's this book um, called House of Echoes by Brandon Duffy that came out a couple years ago that was very much inspired by The Shining, but it's like this family from, you know, New York City decides to buy this estate in upstate New York, and they want to fix it up and turn it into a bed and breakfast, but 
there's all sorts of issues sure. at the house and, you know, <laughs> craziness ensues. I don't want to give anything away, but I would highly recommend that one. And, yeah, like I said, any book with, you know, a creepy house or creepy kids – Creepy kids are my favorite. <laughs> and any book about, like, um, hauntings of any yeah. kind. Like, I know, like, my husband and I bought a house earlier this year, and our house is almost 150 years old. And I was kind of slightly disappointed that it wasn't haunted. We yeah. discovered when we moved in. You know, I'm really drawn to that sort of, you know, old kind of gothic writing. It's one thing I love about the genre. Or anything where books where people like make uh, satanic deals yes. i'm really into there's actually this book coming out um, next month that looks really good called dead souls by j lincoln fenn and i have the description here i want to read because it sounds really good when fiona dunn is approached in a bar by a man who claims he's the devil she figures it's just some kind of postmodern slash ironic pickup line but if you drinks in he offers her a wish in exchange for her immortal soul and in addition, Fiona must perform a special favor for him whenever the time comes. Fiona finds the entire matter so absurd that she agrees. Bad idea. Not only does Fiona soon discover that she really was talking to the devil incarnate, but she's now been initiated into a bizarre support group of similar dead souls. So then they basically just have to wait around sure. to see yeah, what I mean, the favor is. Nice. <laughs> that makes sense. Any sort of like modern book like that where people make deals with the devil or they find out that something is haunted or they go somewhere that's haunted. I just love the suspense of those kind of books. So that's, yeah. that's what I always keep an eye out for. I'm not so much into like the slasher type. Yeah, me either. You know, somebody's running after you with the chainsaw. I don't really get into those. It's more of the kind of supernatural stuff that I love. I I don't really get into the slasher stuff, but I, I do. I remember saying this yesterday. I have a weird fascination with the macabre. And so... That's a little bit of it. I, mm-hmm. sort of, I think that's kind of what appeals yeah. me to a little bit of Stephen King is the slasher stuff. But um, just like the macabre and, you know, I, I've always been someone who kind of likes villains. Mm-hmm. So horror is kind, you know, that's a genre made yes. <laughs> for villains. Yeah. Especially books sort of that examine them or... Even if they're kind of the narrator, you see it sort of from their point of view. Um, like Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis's not really the villain in that book. That's more Lestat. But sort of seeing it from that, through Louis's eyes and just the whole vampire, vampire's man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least Anne Rice and vampires. We won't talk about the sparkly ones. Um, or like Silence of the Lambs. Like mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter is one of the best villains ever. And he has, like, such a small role in Silence of the Lambs, but he's just so iconic. And I, I just, I love him. And mm-hmm. I agree with that. He's just... He's fantastic. He's so... I, I know! Yeah, I read a... those books when I was, like, 14. <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking to my mom recently lately, like, why did you let me read those books? <laughs> I, I had a poster. Oh, my God, my poor college roommate. I had a poster of Hannibal Lecter in my, our college dorm room. Like the one where he's got the face mask on and he's mm-hmm. he's in the straitjacket. <laughs> I don't know what she thought about me when I put that up, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, no, it's come on, it's Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I mean, it was a really well written character. I, mean, I know. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is, and I think like horror is one of those genres that gets. And we probably, I mean, we talked about this in the sci-fi and fantasy one, but. Depending on what people have read, it's not always a well-respected genre. Mm-hmm. Truth. Which I never really understood. I mean, if you look at some of the fathers of of horror, so to speak, like Lovecraft, but even going further back, like uh, um, Edgar Allan Poe, right. mm-hmm. he very much wrote horror. He did. And yet, mm-hmm. it's like they don't talk about that in literature classes. They're just like, here's this creepy poem by this dude, Edgar Allan Poe. You're going to love it. But it's, it's really supposed to be horror. It it's is. supposed mm-hmm. to be. Uh, it's supposed to give you spine chills but we're cool talking about that because it was during a literary age and and he's considered a literary author and so it's okay but we don't actually call him a horror author even though he is which i've always found really weird and and i remember that in college classes in high school and and uh yeah it always blew my mind a little bit 
Yeah, I think it's the same with Shirley Jackson that we mentioned earlier. Like everybody reads, you know, the the lottery, and you, and that's I mean that's a horror story. But you read it just as like oh a short story that you have to read mixed in with all these other American short stories in college and in high school. But that's a that's a scary that story. That's <laughs> scary. And same in the Haunting of Hill House is another one from that era. Another old creepy house. One of my favorites. Maybe maybe it's because. It's more, it's not as gory as mm-hmm. I'm going to, I swear I'm not going to spend the entire podcast talking about Stephen King, but it's hard, it's, it's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, like, when you're talking about horror, we have like, to talk about Stephen King about a lot. Stephen King. But I know a lot of people who won't read Stephen King because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, all they know is stuff like The Shining or Misery. Um, and I and I tell them that he writes a lot more. Like, if you read his short stories, they're very literary. Mm-hmm. Or any of his novellas and stuff. Like, it's not... That's not all that he writes. But stuff like Edgar Allan Poe or The Lottery. Um, one of my favorites is The Historian, the book by Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. I meant to... I totally forgot to write her name down. Okay. <laughs> I'll look it up right now. <laughs> um, that they're not very graphic. Uh, it's Elizabeth... Kostova? Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. Um, but they're not... I mean, she deals with vampires and looks into the sort of the history of Dracula. They're not gory, though. And hers is classified as literature. <laughs> right. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's part of it. Maybe the gore, like the slasher I think, element? I think it's the combination... Personally, I think it's a combination of, uh, of the supernatural and the kind of gory aspect. Like, I don't know. To me, I've always looked at the horror books that I like, I, 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 I am also, I also gravitate toward the supernatural, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm also really, really into, it's funny that you were talking about this, I think it was Rachel, um, about the, I'm torn, drawn to like what I call biblical horror, where there's mm-hmm. demons and okay. possessions and things oh, like that. I love that. But, but the, the, what it, one of the things that attracts me about that, and, and that I think is, a, is, is really a staple to, to literature is the exploring of the darker parts of our humanity. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times we want to pretend that they're not there. And really, literature is is really a thing because so much of it targets that part of our souls. Like, like it, you know, everybody has these impulses and it's a question of what you do with them and, and how you handle them and um, and how how your humanity overcomes them or doesn't. That 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 kind of, That's the kind of thing we always tackle. If I had to read one more short story in college about a family that was all drunks and drug addicts and like it was all the same crap over and over again and while these were considered great literary things i'm like well i'd rather read like the telltale heart or Mm -hmm. or you know that stuff deals with the same thing but differently It's, it's almost a personification um that's the wrong word uh it's like a it's it's like telling those stories but manifesting the darker parts of our humanity through the supernatural, through the slashers, through the gore, and and and, and characterizing it, really. Like, uh, uh, I, I'm trying to explain it, but I think you get where I'm going with it. You know what I mean? It, it's it's bringing it viscerally to the front, and, and I think that that's just a different kind of statement than you get in what is typically considered classic literature. Mm-hmm. And I see no reason why that should be discounted, but it often is. You guys are right. Wait. I think it is more often than not, yeah. Yeah, I think we're seeing sort of a resurgence in the horror genre recently, though. Uh, You know, every time I look to see what new books are coming out, there seems to be a lot of really great authors, you know, currently writing stuff. They're kind of making names for themselves. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like, you know, the popularity of the Walking Dead franchise. That's true. You know, those comics and the show obviously exploded, which I personally love and cannot wait for the new season. (laughs) But, you know, there's sort of a – it's – becoming a little bit more mainstream like there are a lot of really great authors like um keith donahue i don't know if you've ever read him or heard of him he wrote um the boy who drew monsters which came out a couple years ago and he has a new book coming out either later this month or early next called um the motion of puppets and it's a modern take on the orpheus and eurydice myth with a a suspenseful tale of romance and enchantment with horror elements so i think just sort of people starting to accept the horror genre in general and kind of weaving it throughout stories is something I've seen a lot of. Like, I've yeah. noticed even a lot of books that I've read that weren't necessarily labeled as horror. I was like, this book was okay. scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
That's true. And maybe it is just because more people are, you know, drawn to that, you know, stuff like The Walking Dead and kind of making it, the popularity makes it more acceptable, mm-hmm. perhaps, to a mainstream audience and not just those of us who kind of read it on our own. Yeah. Makes it, yeah, so more writers are kind of embracing it as a genre to write. I also don't think it's coincidence that this seems to be happening hand in hand with fantasy and science fiction going mainstream. Oh, because yeah. there's, a I lot agree. Of blurred, there's a lot of blurred lines there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Expanse series by mm-hmm. the guy I should know. Uh, crap, what's his name? Uh, James A. Corey. Mm, yeah. um, the. the it, it's kind of a scary book series. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you guys have read it, but there's like this big evil ish seeming thing that's coming to destroy us all essentially and it's it's very uh it's 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 very kind of hard science fiction but at the same time terrifying kind of like aliens mm-hmm. you know where where there's these evil alien things that are ripping people apart but you're still in that very much a sci-fi setting where there's this blur between the genres and i think that blur is really helping both both genres now where horror is coming up and so is sci-fi and fantasy mm-hmm. and they're kind of doing it hand in hand because because of those connections so i mean i dig it mm-hmm. I, I think i think expanding the spectrum of the things that we read as a general population is nothing but good mm-hmm. i would agree with that as well yeah i like that you mentioned the kind of overlap of you know sci-fi and horror because they really do go hand in hand in a lot yeah. of books. You know, there was this one book I read that came out last year. It was called Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. Did anyone ever read that mm-hmm. one? I might, I might have talked about it in the sci-fi podcast, awesome. but I'm going to talk yeah. about it again right. because it was so good. Do it. It's Different this, audience, possibly. It's a story. <laughs> and in the book, it's like kind of a apocalyptic type tale. And something happens, and you never really find out what happens. But these bird-like creatures invade earth and it's all told from the point of view of like one you know young woman like in her 20s and if you go outside and you see these birds something happens to you and you you kill yourself if you (laughs) if you look at these birds (laughs) so you have to like to survive in this world like you can't look outside like you can't see anything and so it's just about like this woman kind of trying to navigate in this world and how you survive when you can't look outside and can't yeah. do anything. Like, you, you have to go get water. You have to blindfold yourself. So you'd have to, like, make these paths to find a creek without looking at anything and just kind of navigating around the world without being able to use your eyes because of these terror terrorizing creatures. Hmm. And even, you know, kind of the way she describes them and just the whole sus- this suspense of it i was like oh my god i was like nervous <laughs> reading it the whole time i was like don't look outside oh my god that's me. but it was so good it was so well written and it sounds like the plot of it sounds kind of ridiculous right <laughs> but reading it, it it wasn't at all because you're just kind of trying to figure out like oh god what are these creatures and how are you going to live like that you know how are you going to survive because you know it, especially in you know you know apocalypse type novels it's always like well you're you're avoiding these creatures you're trying to get away from something or you have to find water so it's that element of that plus you can't see anything Mm. (laughs) oh it was so good i would recommend that book to anyone even people that don't necessarily like horror if you like science fiction you like good writing check that one out i think that actually brings up when you were talking about that um I think the thing with horror is people might read it and not realize it mm-hmm. yeah. because they have a very narrow definition of horror and like what makes a book a horror book. So, you know, for you guys, how do you define horror as a genre or like what markers are in a book that defines it that way? Hmm. Anyone? I'm just, I'm curious. I don't know that I have a definition of it okay. in my mind necessarily. You just sort of know it. Yeah, I just sort of know it. Anything that kind of, I think you said it before, that's kind of spine tingling, anything that you read it, and it sort of you know makes you like hyper aware of, of you know, how you're feeling while you're reading the mm-hmm. book. And I, I mean, you could say anything with supernatural elements, or but sometimes those books aren't necessarily horror. Right. Just because there's a supernatural element doesn't mean it's going to be like a, a scary one. Right. So, yeah, I think there's... A lot of aspects that can go into it, but nothing 
that I think necessarily defines it. Quentin? Well, that's a really interesting question. So for me, I I don't have a really tight definition. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it has a lot to do with the way the story is told. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, there's uh, Justin Cronin's book. What's the name of that book? Uh, I don't remember. It's the first one in a series. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I am terrible. Every podcast, I'm like, I don't remember this one book, but you really got to look it up. No, I, I know um, which series you're talking about. The last, the third one just came out Yeah, the this third summer. one just came out. Um, but it's told, the, 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 the prose in it. Is it the... The City of Mirrors the is the one that just is, came yeah. out. I can't is remember the name of the series, though. The yeah. Passage? Yeah. Yes, the passage. the passage. Thank you. Uh, so the, the way it's told is, in the way the prose and the way the story is structured, is, is kind of slanted toward horror right it, it's designed to evoke uh the the feelings of dread and, mm-hmm. and and concern over the characters and and just keep you tense throughout mm-hmm. the thing it's even exactly. it's even and this has been pointed out by critics and and it's not necessarily a bad thing in this case it's even a bit overwritten there's a there's a lot mm-hmm. of extra detail in there a lot of extra words that really don't need to be there um the 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 bad guys in that book, though, it could be told from a very different angle. You could have made that like a military science fiction book almost, where you have like an elite squad of troopers hunting down this malignant thing that's killing people and terrorizing the countryside. Mm-hmm. And you would have just structured the story a little bit different, adjusted the prose a little bit, and you could have kept even most of the same characters, and it could have been more of an action sci-fi book than, than a horror book. Um so for me, a lot of it has to do not necessarily, not necessarily with the subject matter, but the way the story is told. Uh, another good example of that in the other direction is I've, re- I've read this other series that is called... Uh, whoops. I have it here. Um, I have... It's uh, It's by this guy named Marco Cluse. Uh, and they're, the name of the series is... Um, something... Uh, but like the the there's uh, lines of departure. Term, Terms of enlistment is the first book, um, and it's very much military science fiction, like mm-hmm. very military okay. science fiction. The whole first book is almost just a standard military science fiction thing uh, until they run into these eighty foot tall aliens. So sure, that. It, it continues to be told like a military science fiction book. Uh, it's fairly well written, and it's it's kind of fringe, and not a lot of people know about it. But it's interesting. I recommend it. Um, it's actually recommended to a marine friend of mine, and that's why I was curious about it because he's yeah. very picky when it comes to military books. Um, anyway, the these aliens, if you if you if you stop to think about facing them, these eighty foot tall things where our weapons are essentially ineffective, it's terrifying. But it's not written. It's not written from that horror angle, so it comes off as military science fiction rather than uh, horror. Okay. And then James A. Corey's Expanse, seri- Expanse series kind of does a little bit of both, where it's like a kind of like a detective type thing, but there's this huge intelligence out there that seems bent on destroying all of humanity, and that's terrifying, and he writes it that way uh, for those segments. So that one's very much in between. So... This is a really long-winded way okay. of me saying <laughs> <laughs> that that it really just depends on how the author has structured the story, what the what the what the language is like. That's how I kind of define it when, yeah. I, when I'm reading it. No, I would agree with that. I think you put that really well. It is just kind of about how you know the character tells it and how they're describing it themselves, as opposed to necessarily what's going on in the story. Right. I think I'd probably agree with that, too, because I was going to say, I think, mood, mm-hmm, which exactly. kind of plays into that. Yeah. I think yeah. the mood of the book plays a lot into how I would define horror, because there's probably stuff that don't have tradition traditional elements of what somebody would consider horror, or there's nothing that really happens in the story. Like you mentioned, Rachel, like gothic literature. Mm-hmm. There's not like a lot in there that's... I mean, there's it's a mood thing. Mm-hmm. It's suspenseful. It's kind of scary. You're not yeah. entirely sure what's happening. And I would, you know, I would probably classify that those books as horror, even if nothing overtly horrific, so to speak, happens. Wow. This just gave me a great idea for a writing exercise. So we should totally, <laughs> we should totally do this. We should take the Raven 
and yeah. rewrite it in different genres. Ooh. Like, like take the the poem. And yeah, just sort of take take the poem, and we could rewrite it just to make it a little easier on us rather than do it as a poem. <laughs> we could take it as a short story and, okay. and write it in different genres. Like it could be a comedy. It, like the like the ravens messing with his head. Like never more, and then it could be you could you could spin that into you know maybe he's not feeling guilty about something. Maybe he just bought a new chair and. He, and, and the Ravens making fun of it. I don't know. Uh, no. Just random yeah, ideas. I like that. Totally I do fun. too. Or we could take like a Harlequin romance and yes. turn it into a horror story. Like it, the same storyline, but just kind of change the mood. And then all of a sudden you'd be like, what is happening? Is she going to murder him? What's going on here? Oh my God. Well, it's like they did with like <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah. It's basically yeah. all they did. Yeah. They took and just sort of stuck zombies in it. And <laughs> Yeah. So uh, that'd be so fun. But it, it, it kind of gets to the point, you know, we, you, it's it's all in how the story is told. I think that's I what makes horror. Yeah, that makes me think. Did you ever see where they they took like The Shining and recut it as a comedy, like a trailer for it? <laughs> yes, yes, I <laughs> but did. But that says a I'll lot have to, to find that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It's hilarious. It's just like a trailer for the movie, but it's like if The Shining was a comedy. But it goes to the idea that it's not what's actually necessarily happening in the story. It's the way it's told. It's the mood. It's the atmosphere. Oh, that contributes to it. They did that. They 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 did that. They recut Stranger Things as a sitcom. Yes, mm. I saw that too. Also, how have we not <laughs> mentioned we not? Stranger Things? I know. I was thinking that too. I was like, how do, we, how do we get? To, how do we? How do we bring that in? And how do we bring American Horror Story in? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, because oh Stranger yes. Things is like the yeah. ultimate blurring between lines. It is so well written. Agreed. Uh, oh my gosh! I mean, I know we're supposed to talk about books, but but. But I'm just going to say it, but damn. (laughs) Oh, God, that was so good. I've already watched it. I've watched it twice already. Yeah. I keep meaning to. I just watched it the one time. But it is good. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually we, we made, go from there. I, I don't even know. Yeah, Anything? that was fun. We made a list of like read likes for that, and, we there did, was, and yeah. it, it was fun, but it was kind of tricky because we were like, well, there are so many elements yeah, to this book. It's so blurred. Yeah, but yeah. it's fun. That's kind of all under that kind of giant horror umbrella. That there's yeah. so much to discover there, and there's so many amazing things within there. That even if you don't like horror, you've probably read a horror book that you love. And yeah. just didn't realize I, that I it agree. was. Yeah. And then it's funny you mentioned American Horror Story because mm. the second season was very much sci-fi. There were elements of the sci-fi to it. Maybe more at the beginning and the very end, not so much in the middle. But the, like, there was mm-hmm. a sci-fi overarching thing. And the third one, not super violent um, in terms of like glory or whatever. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of... Yeah, elements and blurring of lines across genres with horror. I think that's one of the things that draws me to it. Yeah, me you too. Get, you get a you get a widespread of subject matter. You can pretty much have any setting mm-hmm. in, in any time period. It's very uh, expansive. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm sorry. I... I'm <laughs> Surprisingly, nerdum is allowed here. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. shocker. <laughs> Um, so if someone sort of maybe wanted to delve into horror, if they've never read it or don't think they have, do you have any top picks as a suggestion to somebody? Um, yeah, I would always tell them to, you know, start with the Shirley Jackson stories that we mentioned. I think, you know, Stephen King again is kind of, you know. Agreed. You have to mention him. And I think if you're really interested in the genre, he's definitely... Definitely the place to start, in my mind. And then kind of offshooting that, his son, Joe Hill, mm-hmm. also writes horror novels. Yes. Um, a couple of which have been made into movies, or at least one of them. Horns, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Fireman, his newest oh. one, yeah. has been sitting on my nightstand for a long time. I'm, I was kind of waiting, I think, till this time of year to, to read it, because I think it came out over the summer. Yeah. So Heart I hope shape. to check out that one, too. I know that one, a lot of people were raving about that, so I'm excited for that one. Heart shaped box too. Mm-hmm. That got a lot of buzz and awards. Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah. Um, for me, there are a couple of angles to take. I really liked Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. For the person that's more into uh, history or more uh, literary fiction or things like that, like it wasn't it wasn't super stuffy or anything. Um, 
but it, it very much deals with the human condition and the and the the those Jim Crow laws and and racism and and very things that are pertinent to, pertinent today. So I think it's a good intro, and it's not overly horrifying or anything like that. Uh, it just has light for the most part, light elements uh, of that kind of just mixed in. So it's I think it's a good one. Uh, I've already mentioned the Expanse, so if you're a sci-fi fan, that's a great one to to kind of cut your teeth on, so to speak. Um, I also think comic books are a great, uh, a great gateway drug, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Constantine's really good at that. Spawn. Uh, um, oh, I had another one too uh, that I can't remember right now, but there's there's a few really good ones out there that really kind of kind of get at that. Well, The Walking Dead, obviously, mm-hmm. um, kind of get at that horror type thing. Um, also, like my my wife. Amanda, she would never have thought to watch horror. She's not into horror movies, horror TV shows, or anything like that, or horror books, but she loved Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes that's a good gateway into into exploring the genre and reading is something like that. Yeah. And I would pretty much recommend any human being on Earth to watch Stranger Things. So mm-hmm. it helps. Um, but uh, I can't. I guess those are the recommendations off the top of my head. I I'm also I also love Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. and. Uh, Lovecraft, but those are not as easy to, they're not as accessible. Mm-hmm. I would agree um, with that. And Richard Matheson is another really great one that I think he writes really great accessible books that are kind of appealing to all genres because he's got kind of a wide range of topics in his books, but I think they're all sort of that same horror element. And his books are, they're the kind you can read them quick, yeah. you know, you can read them in a couple hours. Or, you know, easy to digest, if you will, but fantastically written. So I would recommend him as well for somebody looking mm-hmm. into the genre. Oh, also, if you like series and, and kind of more action-oriented stuff, uh, The Dresden Files by Jim mm-hmm. Butcher, um, they're not really... I mean, I wouldn't classify them as horror because, I don't know. There are... I don't know. It's back right. to that definition that's, 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 that's yeah. very great. But uh, there are definitely, you know, monstrous things in there. Demons, vampires, werewolves, whatever. Um, and they're they're very visceral in the books, so there's definitely some horror elements there. And uh, but but yet you've got a character that's a lot of fun. It's really well written. There's some there's definitely comic relief and things like that throughout. And uh, it's, it's a, that might be a good way to get into that more of a, if you're looking for a supernatural bent to mm-hmm. the, to your horror reading. Yeah, I would say um, definitely Dumarie. It's sort of of the gothic mm-hmm. horror, and she, again, they're not, they're, it's more moody and atmospheric, but they're very suspenseful. Like, I remember reading Rebecca when I was probably in fifth grade, and I was just like, what is this? Like, I just hadn't read really anything of that type of subgenre of horror before, and it's so good, um, but it kept me up, and... I just found it super suspenseful. Um, and then again, I think the short stories of Stephen King, because he kind of deals yeah. with it in a... Like, it's they're in his, his short stories, but it's not to the same graphic layer of, of his novels. You can kind of work your way up, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mentioned Dean Koontz. Oh, yeah. Same, yeah, uh, yeah, and Clive Barker, too. I think yeah. he's kind of on the same lines as him. Yeah, I mean, Dean Koontz isn't... I like some of it. So like for, I'm a sucker for Dragon Tears. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> maybe because I thought he did a really cool job of telling a perspective from the dog for a while. Um, but <laughs> but uh, the I think that's a good entry level type yeah. thing. Um, I mean, I don't mean to denigrate the work, but no, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was just um, uh, Westworld. TV show is super mm-hmm. popular. There's definitely some elements, a little bit of the horror in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and so, you that know, is one creepy show. Yeah, I'm excited right? for I'm, that I one. I love it. Oh my god, it's so good. I'm just like totally obsessed with it. But, um, again, not trying to talk about Stephen King all the time. But his Dark Tower <laughs> series is a good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, know, I, if I you liked Westworld, you can kind of. Yeah, I wouldn't classify. That is one of his most accessible works because of, no, that's true. Because, but it, <laughs> because of the prose, but yeah. fair. But Westworld's not super accessible. No, either. not at all. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Again, I'm not. I'm not wholly disagreeing with you. Uh, if you like Westworld, yeah. If you like it. Westworld, it's a good way to go. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. No, that's a fair point. I, that's a fair point, and maybe that's part. You know, the part of the problem. It, like horror is one of these genres where it seems both very. Um, 
low art and also high art. Yeah, there's a great, there's a, there's a real, there doesn't seem to be a lot of in between in order. It could be my imagination, but it's just by experience. Yeah, no, I think, you know, we got the high art like Edgar Allan Poe or stuff that's not super accessible in terms of writing or content or whatever, but then people hear horror and they think the low art stuff. Yeah. And like Dean Koontz is very accessible, right? And and you've got the Dark Tower, which is really good, yeah. but not not necessarily like an entry level. But you definitely right. wouldn't. You, you need a lot. You need some space a, in your life to tackle that. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely wouldn't <laughs> hand that to a teenager mm-hmm. and be like, "This is great. This is great for your first Western themed horror <laughs> book." Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, but if that teenager was obsessed with Westworld, I think you're dead on. Right, you could hand it to mm-hmm. them and say, "Go." But agreed. The. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a really interesting mix there. I hadn't thought I of that before. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's another kind of newer author that I he I read one of his books so far. Um, his name is Paul Tremblay, and he wrote this book, um, A Head Full of Ghosts. And he has another book coming out next month called Disappearance at Devil's Rock. And he is very much, I think a lot of people will probably classify him as literary fiction or suspense, but there's definitely some supernatural horror elements in his book. So for people that might be like, oh, you know, I like the literary stuff, maybe a little bit of mystery, I would recommend him as well. For somebody wanting to jump into the genre, I think he's... I think we're, I'm excited to see what else he comes up with. I think we're going to see a lot of great stuff from him. Are there any other upcoming books anybody's excited about? Coming out in the near future? In the horror genre? Yeah. I don't know. Let's think about that. Okay. Yeah, I think I talked about, you know, the Dead Souls that I mentioned earlier, and then the Motion of Puppets, the Keith Donahue. Those are I'm, I'm excited about. And then I read about this book called um, The Apartment by S.L. Gray. Oh, I read about that one, Yeah, too. I think it was in, got really, um, it was w- really well-reviewed in Kirkus or Library Journal, one of those um, trade publications. And it's just um, a nightmare thriller about a troubled married couple whose vacation to Paris leads them into a nightmare. So, mm-hmm. sounds, so sounds like it's something I like. I kind of like that sort of the you know kind of everyday experience turned horror yeah. is something I like about yeah. the about the yeah. genre as well. I agree. There's just so much to like about it because mm-hmm. it comes at from so many different angles. Yeah. It's a genre. Yeah, and, and I. See, I, that question, the, the, the upcoming books thing, always throws me off because my reading list is so long <laughs> mm-hmm. that I try really hard not to pay attention to like, what's upcoming because then I'll supersede something. I know. I, I, it's just the weird way I manage it. <laughs> I'm like, if I know about this book, I'm gonna, it's going to interrupt my list <laughs> and, and I'm going to miss this book and i got to read that book. And, uh, but, I know. Yeah, there, there, are, there are a lot of horror books on my list that I haven't read. Most of them are, I'm, I'm really obsessed with, like, I haven't, like, Lovecraft himself, I like his writing, I don't, it's, it's, it's good for what it is, it's literary, it's, it's, it's definitely got a specific tone and feel to it, but I actually really like the expanded mythos that other authors have, have kind of built upon, so most of the horror stuff on my list yeah. are, like, there's, there's, like, two anthologies, one's called, like, the, the New Cthulhu mm-hmm. Mythos, I think. There's a um, lot of that yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's some anthologies like that on my list that, that I really want to want to get to. Um, but I, like I said, I try not to pay attention to the upcoming stuff. That's mm-hmm. okay. I think there's a lot of sort of classic horror books I want to read that I've never gotten around mm-hmm. to. Um, of course, I had them in my head a minute ago. But like Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, I, I love Ooh, that, but that was I've a good never book. read it. Mm-hmm. See? I read that book a couple of years ago. Because it had been it. on my list for, like, you know, 10 years. <laughs> and we have it now in Overdrive, <laughs> yes, which is we very do. exciting. Yes, we do. So that's on my list of books I, I really want to read. Um, yeah. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I've never read any Joe Hill. Yeah, so Joe Hill is one of the ones on my list. Yeah. I haven't read him yet either, and I've been meaning to forever. He's got a couple yeah. out, and he's gotten good press. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to finish up the Passage series, the mm-hmm. Justin Cronin stuff as well. It's it's just so long. I normally don't mind a long book, but it's not the typical long book that I read. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like no, I, no, I've read does. Lord of the Rings, I don't know how many times, and for some yeah. reason, uh, I just feel like I need to take up this huge amount of time to get through Justin Cronin stuff. Not because it's bad, but I don't know. There's some sort of psychological it's block okay. in my head. That's all right. But... That's another thing on my list, too. Yeah, lots of 
to be red red pile just kind of keeps growing and growing yeah it's scary (laughs) (laughs) well thank you both for coming on and talking horror with us of course i hope everybody finds some good spooky stories to read for halloween this year yeah Yeah, spooky stories i think like that's a good if it's a spooky story it's Mm -hmm. probably good to classify it as horror because spooky spooky has a lot of connotations you can kind of fit it to a lot of different things yeah also has a little bit more of a fun name. It does. And that makes me think, one of my favorite things that I didn't mention about horror is the comic really, yeah. truly good yeah. horror with truly good com- My favorite example of this is Event Horizon. I, I thought that movie sucked. I didn't like it. But the dude doing the comic relief made me laugh so mm-hmm. hard so many times. Like, And that can really save something. But anyway, horror, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite parts of horror is... is that is when you get that truly good comic relief. That's the kind of horror I dig. Because if you if it's just all heavy all the time, I just I find it hard to slog through. Yeah, I think that comic relief kind of gives you that moment where you can take a breath. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Make you feel a little bit like something, a little bit less like something's eating your soul. Right. Uh. Or like to kind of remember. Because sometimes when I read horror books, I get like so into them that. Like, when I read The Shining for the first time, the cover freaked me out so much, the one that I had, that when I would... I did this with Carrie, too. I would have to put the book face down to, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to, like, step away like, from it like for it a little bit. Like, it me out. I just your want to have to, like, look at it. So, like, every yeah. like I would read it before bed because I'm an idiot. And then I would, like, close the book and put it face down so I didn't have to look at the cover. And I think having that comic relief sort of reminds you that this is not real (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) this is scary while it's happening but it's not real you have a real life outside it does it gives you that moment to kind of pause and take a breath so it really helps with with the it really helps with the stuff that's set now and that's extra realistic because Mm -hmm. then you then you're then you because what happens to me sometimes when i'm reading something truly bad and horrible like like not bad as in poorly written but bad uh it it that comic relief may, makes me remember that there are good things in the world still. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I put this book down, I can go smile at something and it'll be okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Okay, well, we talked a lot of good horror stuff. We'll probably have to do this next year, too, because there'll be even more stuff to talk sure. about. That'll be yeah, great. I'll have gotten through more of my reading list. See? Yeah, me have, too. I'll me have too. New there stuff you go. You have I'll, a year I'll, to plan now. I'll come <laughs> with my thoughts on Joe Hill. There you yes. go. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, and I hope you guys, uh, our listeners, all find some good horror and spooky stories and happy halloween bye bye guys thanks readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com podcast that's indeed.com podcast terms and conditions apply